when you flatten your glucose curves and you avoid the spikes, the insulin comes down, the testosterone comes down, the PCOS symptoms go away. Like you have power to turn back the clock and to reverse these issues. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I'm here to help you rock your hormones and feel great in your body so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. If I had to guess, I would say that I experienced a blood sugar spike multiple times a day and that most days I was on a blood sugar roller coaster for over 15 plus years and I had no idea. No one told me that this is something that I should be paying attention to. Throughout my mid to late 20s and early 30s, I would have told you that I ate pretty healthy. I ate a vegetarian diet consisting of a lot of whole grains, eggs, fruit, beans, veggies, healthy protein bars, or so I thought, chicken, limited dairy, nuts and seeds, and I did my best to avoid processed foods and hydrogenated fats. I also would have told you that I was always tired around 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and that I was starving by 11.30 a.m. every single day. And honestly, I thought that's just how you were supposed to feel. I figured everybody was starving and ready to chew their arm off around 11 or 11.30 a.m. because lunch couldn't come soon enough. Now, in my late 20s, when I was struggling the most with my symptoms, There were days when I would fight myself both tooth and nail to not eat something sweet in the afternoon, like a kind bar, to ward off that mega energy crash that I would experience. And I always felt so much shame when I did, which often happened throughout the week. So much so that I would do an extra 30 minutes on the bike or stairs at the gym to work off that kind bar or granola bar that I had about four hours earlier. I was constantly on this energy depletion roller coaster, and little did I know, it all started in the morning when I had my coffee and a protein bar, or maybe a Cliff bar before running off to the office. Like most people, I put creamer and sugar in my coffee to start my day, and I thought because I was using raw brown sugar that somehow it was better for me. Well, it wasn't. Newsflash, sugar is sugar. It doesn't matter if it's honey or coconut sugar or turbinado sugar. It all breaks down to simple sugars like sucrose, which is a disaccharide made of glucose and fructose, or it's some combination of glucose and fructose. At the end of the day, any sugar is going to spike your blood sugar if you eat it on its own. And these glucose spikes over time will lead to inflammation and symptoms of feeling foggy, hangry, tired, paired with killer cravings and mood swings. Sound familiar? From the start of my sugar-filled breakfast, I kicked off my blood sugar roller coaster that basically kicked off that first crash around 11.30 a.m. every single day. And then I continue to have two to three more sugar crashes throughout the day based on the food choices that I was making. And here's something that I didn't know that most days I hadn't even recovered from the blood sugar crash the day before or two days before, before launching into another blood sugar roller coaster that day. It is no wonder I was struggling with energy issues, weight gain, irregular menstrual cycle, PMS symptoms, sleep issues, and moodiness. Ooh, I was like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. It impacted my relationships, my confidence, and my work. Not to mention my health was slowly going downhill at what I consider to be a pretty young age. Now, I'm amazed that I never saw the warning signs until it was too late. And I'm not alone. Approximately 90% of adults experience one glucose spike a day. And 88% of us have metabolic dysfunction attributed to consistent glucose spikes day in and day out. Now, although I still didn't understand one of the biggest root causes for my chronic fatigue and the other symptoms I was dealing with, which was the deregulated blood sugar and insulin issues that I was having, I did end up drastically changing my diet and I felt those changes in a positive way. At around 31 years old, I completely cut out sugar and any type of processed carbs. I focused on tons of fibrous veggies, clean protein, and more complex carbs and starches, like sweet potatoes. Now, it's not how I eat today, 
but it was a start in the right direction and it turned a lot of my symptoms around. That's why I always say food is the foundation. Food can change everything. It can shift your hormones, especially one of the biggest hormones that we've got to get our handle on, which is insulin. Now, I am not alone when it comes to wanting to know more about this and educating about this. Because knowing what I know now, I would have told my 20-year-old self that flattening your glucose curve is the most important thing you could do along with mindfulness practices, self-care, and movement. Now, my guest today, the glucose goddess, Jessie, feels the exact same way. In her new book, The Glucose Revolution, she shares the importance of having a flattened glucose curve every single day for more energy, brain function, and so much more. Now, she and I are going to debunk some of the biggest myths in nutrition today, and she's going to be sharing her best hacks for flattening your glucose curve. And let me tell you, it is so much easier than you think. Now, one of the recommendations she shares in her book, and we talk a little bit about in the episode, is making smoothies filled with protein powder, some berries, a little bit of berries, and a healthy fat or two like avocado or chia seeds, or even almond butter. Now, this is a great breakfast swap, and it's one of the habits that I integrated back when I was 30, 31. I swapped my sugar-filled coffee and Cliff Bar for a morning green smoothie packed with protein powder, fiber, and healthy fats. And oh my gosh, it made all the difference. Like I literally set the tone for a flatter curve throughout the day because I had this nutrient-dense meal at breakfast to kick off my metabolism. Now, if breakfast is something that you want to shift after listening to this interview, and I have a feeling that's going to be the case, I have my smoothie and shake guide in the show notes for you as a gift to jumpstarting your morning with a healthy blood sugar friendly smoothie. So you've got access to the green smoothie guide and the shake guide in the show notes for this episode. And now that you're all set on that, I want to welcome Jessie to the show. But first, I want to quickly sing her praises. Jessie in Champagne is a biochemist. She's a best-selling author, and she's the founder of the Glucose Goddess Movement. She's on a mission to translate cutting-edge science into easy advice to help people improve their physical and mental well-being. She holds a bachelor degree in the science degree in mathematics at King's College London and a master's degree in biochemistry from Georgetown University. Glucose Revolution is her first book, and it is amazing. Let's welcome her to the show. Hey, one more thing. Did you know that one of the biggest nutrient deficiencies that I see in people, especially women, is a magnesium deficiency? It's because we burn through the super mineral so quickly. Now, this powerful mineral packs a massive punch because magnesium is involved in over 600 reactions in the body. Now, it is your best friend if you need more energy, better sleep, a faster metabolism, improved digestion, and not to mention happier periods. And you can quickly replenish your magnesium levels with my essentially whole magnesium restore supplement made with my favorite form of magnesium, magnesium glycinate. Use promo code podcast and get 10% off your entire order at drmarisa.com slash magnesium. Now I'll have the link in the show notes for this episode to make it easy. Go and try it out today. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Jessie, also known as the Glucose Goddess. So, so excited for you to be on the show today, girl. I am, I just cannot tell you, I, I just can't wait for this conversation. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Marisa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited for this chat. Mm-hmm. Well, kind of, I want to just give people a little bit of context on how you became the Glucose Goddess and a little bit about that defining moment for yourself, kind of that like aha moment of like, oh my gosh this is game changing. This is the thing that people need to know. Um, this was game changing for myself. Like I got to shout this from the mountaintops. Like what was that moment for you? When I discovered that glucose spikes were one of the triggers for my mental health difficult episodes, I was wearing a glucose monitor for the first time. It was maybe week two. And then I felt this sort of what's called depersonalization, essentially a mental health condition that I had struggled with since I was a teenager. And I felt the episode coming on and I checked my glucose monitor and I saw one of the biggest glucose spikes I had ever seen. And so right there and then I finally had found one of the triggers for this thing I had been suffering from for a super long time. And so from that moment on, it was like, okay, I'm going to learn everything about glucose. I'm going to avoid these spikes. I'm going to feel good. And it changed everything for me. 
Mm. And I know that you, as a, as a researcher through and through as well, that you started to look at this not only for yourself, but also for the people around you and began to correlate the research that you saw that was being done, that in a lot of ways is cutting edge that a lot of, I would say, practitioners don't even know. Most of us have no idea as well. And that when you started putting the pieces together, the kind of the big thing you learned was that probably most of us are in a blood sugar roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> and that flattening yeah, the so curve. I learned this yeah. crazy statistic. Yeah. yeah, I learned that 90% of us, Marisa, have glucose spikes every day. Yeah. And oh. so I was like, okay, I'm not alone. And then depending on who you are, you know, these glucose spikes can lead to infertility, to really difficult menopause symptoms, to just feeling like crap, to weight gain, to poor sleep. There's just like acne, wrinkles. I mean, the symptoms are very, very numerous and very common. And so, yeah, everybody really benefits from learning about glucose and learning how to avoid those spikes. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Well, I was, I had a big aha moment when I had put on my CGM back in um, May of 2021. I have had all kinds of hormone issues. It's why I, I do the work that I do today. It's probably why you do the work that you do today. And um, when I was 30, I had severe chronic fatigue, but a lot of the symptoms, when I looked back, initially I thought I was like, okay, it's deregulated cortisol, it's deregulated sex hormones, but I had not even put together or pieced together that I was on this massive blood sugar roller coaster every single day. And I had two major blood sugar crashes every day, one at 11 because my breakfast was crap. And then one at 2.30 because lunch was also crap. And I would hit this horrible crash at 11 and I would manage it with coffee with sugar, right? And then I'd have lunch and then the mega, mega Mack truck crash always happened at 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And I remember I would try to willpower myself to not have a kind bar or some kind of something at 2 or 3 to get me through the rest of my workday, which ended around 6.37. But by the time, let's say I, I did willpower myself through that 2 o'clock and I only had coffee, you know, only had coffee with a little bit of sugar because I had, like most of us, that doesn't do anything. That has no effect. On us, like it's just a little <laughs> bit of sugar in my coffee. Like, what is that? I can't tell you how many times people tell me this. And then by the time seven o'clock rolled around, I skipped the gym because I was so hangry and I would have some carb filled dinner. And because I was so moody and irritable, I would usually top it off with two glasses of wine. So, no wonder I was depleted, brain fogged, yeah. moody. I mean, weight gain, Completely. all of it, right? And you used the word, Marisa, you used, you said willpower, you know, and like, I feel like that's something that is so common. People willpower their way through these symptoms of blood sugar coasters. And then you realize it's not a willpower issue. Like you don't have to feel ashamed or feel bad or feel like guilty that you're having these crashes and you want to eat sugar because there's an underlying issue. You know, our brain, the craving center in our brain activates when our blood sugar drops to beneath a certain level you're trying to fight against your biology. It's almost impossible. And I assume that's what you did. You know, you were able to actually heal the big spikes and the big drops. And so you didn't even need your willpower anymore because those urges were gone. You talked to, let's talk a little bit about that because I think most people, what I believe, Jesse Henney, when I look at a lot of, of my community members and a lot of my patients, when I look back and think about a lot of the patients where I missed the boat, right, is that they were on this mega blood sugar roller coaster and honestly probably had been since they were children and had, had not really ever known anything different. And I don't know if that was, I know I always think about your Nutella crepes every morning for breakfast when your mama was, I read the whole book, um, when your mama was <laughs> eating cornflakes every morning, right? Like I, I think that, I mean, at some point it catches up, you know, and, and we, we know what's happening earlier and earlier and earlier, but I would say for, for girls, you know, we see it in our teenage years, we see it in our twenties where all of a sudden we're just not feeling a hundred percent. Like our menstrual cycle is off. We're feeling a little bit depleted, maybe moody and people just chalk it off to, oh, you have deregulated hormones. Let's get you on the pill. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? And, and we're missing the underlying root cause here. And so I would love to have you speak into, you know, that, that concept of we hit the spike, right? You, you have the, the sugar cereal breakfast or you have the oatmeal, right? And, and without anything else and you get the spike and then your body it has to over your insulin overcorrects it. You know, so you're going to hit the crash. And I'll never forget when I first saw my first massive hockey stick because my, my fasting blood sugar was it like, it's a sexy 70 milligrams per deciliter. You know what I'm saying? Nice. And yeah. 
And um, one night we were celebrating, I think we were celebrating the launch of that book behind me and mm. we had, we had sushi and I hadn't had sushi with my CGM yet. And I, and I kind of knew sushi wasn't the best thing, you know, like rolls, sushi rolls, not just pure sashimi. Watched it hockey stick up beyond 140 milligrams per deciliter. And I know that what was really fascinating when you said that anything above any rise of 30 milligrams per deciliter is considered a blood sugar spike. And I, I always look at anything, anything that goes above 140 is kind of my, my thing. But I know now, like if you're at 70 and you go to 110, that's a spike too, right? So I watched this, this massive hockey stick. I, girl, I just kept going. I was like, will it ever stop? You know what I'm saying? And then about 30 minutes later, it starts coming crashing down. And what was really fascinating is that I watched, it took me over two days to get my fasting blood sugar back yeah, to recover. And I think a lot of people don't realize that when you have a mega spike, you have that sushi roll dinner, or you have that big old dessert without, again, not taking into consideration any of the hacks. Like we're talking about if you don't eat anything else for the next couple of days, it's still going to take days to recover from that. But if let's say you have sugar, sushi the next day, <laughs> like it's no wonder biologically we are struggling. We are struggling. Yeah. And so can you speak into the biology of this, of, of kind of the rapidness of the spikes and crashes and spikes and crashes and why willpower doesn't work? Completely. So I think it's important to remind people that, you know, what is glucose anyway? And so glucose is the energy that your body uses. Every single cell in your body uses it. So we need glucose, but most of us have too much glucose. Glucose is not good. So anytime you eat something starchy or something sweet, especially if you eat them naked or on their own without, you know, vegetables and proteins with them, let's say plain oatmeal, pasta, a donut, a bunch of sushi rice, then the glucose in that food makes its way to your stomach, then your intestine, and then it goes into your bloodstream. And here the concentration, so the amount of glucose in your blood starts rising and rising and rising and rising. And at that point, your body knows that very high glucose levels are not good because when your glucose levels are too high, inflammation happens, aging happens, and eventually your cells just don't like it. They're like, this is way too much glucose. No bueno, please get this away from me. So your body sends out this amazing hormone called insulin. And insulin takes the extra glucose and stores it away in your muscles, in your liver, and in your fat cells. But unfortunately, you know, sometimes your insulin stores too much glucose away. And so your glucose levels crash really rapidly and they crash even below sort of normal standard baseline levels. And we know from the studies that that state of having low blood sugar or low blood glucose literally activates the area in your brain that tells you you're super hungry, find something sweet, find something starchy, whatever biscuit, donut, cookie, fruit juice, cereal you can find, like get your hands on it. And so you do that. But when you do that, you create another big spike and then another crash. And so for many of us, we're stuck on this roller coaster where we feel, sometimes we feel good and energized because of all this sugar in our system. Then we crash, we have cravings, we feel guilty again, and the cycle repeats. And this cycle is not just bad for our mental health because a lot of times it makes us feel guilty and like we don't have enough willpower. It's also bad for our bodies. And the consequences of this roller coaster, you know, they vary from feeling tired, so chronic fatigue, like you had to hormonal issues. This deregulates our testosterone or sex hormones. If you're going through menopause, the symptoms get worse. You, st you can start getting acne on your face. You can start getting wrinkles and aging more rapidly. I mean, listen, like the symptoms are very, very common. And, but most of us don't realize that it's really easy to get off the roller coaster. And so what we need to do is one, and we can get into the hacks, but when we need to avoid eating these starchy and sweet foods completely naked or completely on their own. Always eat them after some protein, some fiber, some fats, always at the end of a meal, never first thing in the morning, like I used to do with my Nutella grape. And for all my teenage years, I was starving at 10.30 a.m. Like my stomach was literally in pain because I was so hungry and I couldn't wait for lunch. And I thought it was normal, Risa. I was like, 
oh, I guess this is normal. You know, you eat and then an hour and a half later, you're starving. That's just normal life. Actually, that is not normal life. That is your glucose levels being completely deregulated. And when I learned what to eat for breakfast, I can go five, six hours without eating after breakfast and I feel fine. You know, I'm not no longer controlled by this crazy roller coaster. And I think even just that alone is a big win. But we think about all the other wins, like your mitochondria getting a break, yeah. um, your, your body and your cells getting a break, right? Do you creating metabolic flexibility? And I know that as we get older, especially for women, as we lose those important sex hormones, metabolic flexibility is everything. Mm-hmm. It is the difference between you sleeping well or not. It's the difference between you having good re- word recall or you don't. Um, it's the difference between a hot flash or no hot flash. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it, it just changes the game, you know, and I, I think that so often um, we, we don't realize how critical it is to flatten that glucose curve. And I know if, if you've been in that roller coaster, you're checking in with those symptoms right now and you're thinking to yourself, oh my God, am I in a, a, a blood sugar roller coaster? Like, is this happening to me right now? Like, how do I even break away from this vicious mm. cycle And what you have educated tens of thousands of people to do is literally just that, is to flatten the glucose curve. And I'll tell you, there is nothing sexier than a flat glucose curve on your CGM. Oh my God, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Can Um, I quote you on that? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And what I want to also speak into is I, I, I do advocate, I think having a CGM, a continuous glucose monitor for at least a month to just get a sense of what's going on with you and your body. Having those aha moments, watching that hockey stick and just going like my mama, that was like the biggest moment for her when she put on a CGM for the first time. And she, I remember she called me like within the couple days of wearing it. She's like, Marisa, you know, she was like, oh my God. And she took a screenshot and sent it on to me. She's like, I have the biggest spike right now. This, you know, and so I just needed her to see that. I needed her to, to like, to like visually be able to see like, oh my God, when I eat that and then to check in with how she was feeling. And she's like, oh my gosh, this literally correlates with this exhaustion that I feel after I eat these foods. Like she could then, you know, cause the numbers don't lie, girl. They yeah. don't lie. You know, that interstitial glucose, it's not, it's not going to lie to you. But what I also wanted to advocate, cause I know that CGMs are not super affordable here in the U.S., And I don't know if that's the case for other places in the world, but that a lot of the hacks that we're going to talk about in just a second, you don't necessarily need a CGM to flatten your glucose curve. No, you really don't. And so what I've done is I've taken all the latest science and I've crossed it with my own research and I've put together these 10 simple principles that allow people to flatten their glucose curves without having to wear a CGM. And I would say, if you cannot afford a CGM or you don't want to wear one, here are the three things to look out for that are like the most common signs that right now you're on a glucose roller coaster. So number one, feeling hungry every 90 minutes or every two hours. Number two, having cravings during the day. So this can be craving for potato chips or maybe cravings for chocolate after dinner or whatever kinds of cravings. And there there are very, very, very many kinds. And then number three, feeling tired. So feeling like your energy is really unsteady. Maybe you feel good when you wake up and then an hour later you're exhausted. You go at 3 p.m. at 7 p.m. you're tired. So hunger, cravings, and tiredness, essentially fatigue. Those are the three most common signs that most people experience every day. And when you learn to flatten your glucose curves, those go away because they're really just your body telling you, hello, Marisa, I'm just trying to tell you, girl, that there's glucose spikes happening within. Yes, and that's SOS. One of the things, yeah, exactly. And we often feel guilty for these symptoms, but I really want people to understand these are your body just trying to speak with you. This is your body's language, literally trying to tell you, go use the glute hacks, like flatten this curve and feel better. So there we go. Now we have it all set up. We can talk about the hacks and how to feel amazing. Awesome. I am so excited about the hacks Um, and a couple of hacks I've known. But what I want to do is I I, I always love the ones like the juice is worth the squeeze, right? Like I want to get into the ones that are the biggest needle movers first, because I know that my community is like, what is going to get me off of this roller coaster? Um, So talk to me about like in your research and also within your community, because I know so many people have been using these hacks for a long time now. What do you consider to be the one that's going to help flatten the curb the, the most efficient? So I would say there are two. Okay, two. Great. And one is a bit harder than the other one. So I'm going to start with the hard one and then we'll go to the easy one. (laughs) 
the most efficient thing you can do is to switch from having a breakfast that is centered around starches and sugars to a breakfast that's savory and centered around protein. So the, the hack is called have a savory breakfast. Essentially, if you're somebody who has anything sweet in the morning, shift away from that. Have leftovers, have eggs, have cheese. You can have bread, make sure it's not naked, you know, put some fat, some protein, some fiber on that, have vegetables or normal meal. And the reason this is so important is because if for breakfast you have a big glucose spike, which most of us have because we have cereal, muesli, we have oats, we have, you know, bread, protein bars, whatever, protein bars, sugar in our coffee. Yeah. What happens is your breakfast actually controls your glucose levels for the rest of the day. And as you mentioned, Marisa, you noticed that when you had the sushi for days, your glucose was then unsteady and deregulated. Your breakfast regulates your entire day. If you have a big spike for breakfast, you're going to have a bigger spike for lunch and for dinner. You're going to have cravings for the whole day. So if you're somebody who really loves sweet stuff for breakfast, switch to something savory and have the sweet stuff later in the day as dessert after lunch or dinner. That is super powerful. Then second super powerful hack that's much easier. (laughs) Before your lunch and your dinner, start having a starter that is based around vegetables. So make yourself a plate of vegetables. It can be salad. It can be a few carrots if you don't have time to make anything. It could also be an elaborate, you know, roasted cauliflower with tahini and sea salt. Like you can go wild. Whatever it is, have a vegetable-based starter before your lunch and your dinner. And then eat what you usually eat. And the reason this is really important is because vegetables contain fiber. Fiber is going to be your new best friend. So fiber has an incredible superpower. Eat it first before a meal. The fiber goes into your stomach. And then it gets to your upper small intestine and there it deploys itself like a transformer against the walls of your upper intestine. And it creates this protective viscous mesh. It's like a shield and it stays there for a couple of hours. And this shield helps your body not absorb too quickly that would be coming down during the rest of the meal. So it becomes like your best defense mechanism, your best friend, so that your meal creates a smaller spike in your body. If you do those two things, you will very quickly feel a difference. And then your body will thank you. Those messages, the cravings and the sleepiness and the hunger will slowly dissipate. And you're going to be like, oh my God, I'm on the other side of the mirror. You know, like in the movies where they go like across the mirror, it's a whole new world. When you don't have glucose spikes all day, it is a whole new experience of life. Mm, I love that. And let's say those who don't eat breakfast, let's say they eat that lunch. It's just as long as when you break your fast, it is a savory meal that starts with with fiber. And the more fiber veggies that you can get, the better. And then I know it goes fat and protein or protein, fat, whatever. And then then you do the carbs. So let's say an example, I'm going to paint a picture of like, let's say lunch or, or, or okay. save your breakfast. So let's say it is a lamb patty or salmon salad. Um, and it's sweet potatoes. And so okay. what you would do is you would start with that salad, hopefully with yes. a little bit of olive oil and some vinegar of some kind, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Then we would go to the, the 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 protein, the healthy fat, whether that's salmon or the lamb burger, whatever that is, and whatever you may have on that, maybe a little avocado. And then you would finish that meal with the sweet potatoes. Because girl, I don't know about you, but sweet potatoes light me up. They I light me up. And so I can't, if I eat sweet, sweet potatoes naked, oh, I'm going to have a blood sugar spike. <laughs> <laughs> but if I eat them at the end of the meal, I'm good to go. I'm all right. And so that exactly. would be kind of the order in which we would eat that meal, whether it's exactly. breakfast or lunch. And not only are you getting all those savory components, but also you're putting these things in order so that you are blunting that blood sugar spike from those sweet potatoes. Completely. So that's another hack, you know, eating your food in the right order. And scientifically, we now know exactly what you said, which is you should start with the fiber, then the proteins and the fats, and then the starches and the sugars last. And so, you know, that's another thing you can try. If you want to try nothing else, you don't want to add food. Just if you want to just take what you usually eat, but reorder the food in a meal, always start with the vegetables, always end with the carbs your blood sugar response will be very, very different. So in the studies, you know, this curbs the glucose spike by up to 75%. So this is real stuff. And no, all your food doesn't actually make your stomach. We now know that the vegetables first have this super protective effect on your glucose levels. So yeah, I mean, these are all super powerful. It's tough when people ask me, you know, what are your favorite hacks or the most important ones? Because they're all... 
incredibly useful. And I want people to think about these as tools in their toolbox Mm -hmm. to use whenever it's easy, whenever it makes sense, um, whenever it doesn't become something too stressful, you know, and in the book, there are 10 and they're all just as easy as this. And what I hear from my community is just like a few days of this and you feel like a whole new person. Oh, yeah. It doesn't take long. I've walked my community through um, sugar detoxes and like just breaking up with sugar. And it's it's amazing. The stronghold that sugar has, as we know, it fires off dopamine. It's very, very addictive. Yeah. And even after three days, although it can be a really rough three days, and with these hacks make it so much easier and more gentler. Like having people cut sugar out cold turkey, I swear, I have to like, thank goodness they can't get to me because I think they would cut me. Uh, you know, because <laughs> it's so hard. Um, but like, you, if you're, I always called it food freedom. Like, if you can break the chains of that blood sugar roller coaster, it's it's like you're in a completely different person. Like you said, stepping through the mirror. And yeah. I love that your hacks make it not only simple and easy, but it's a lot less painful <laughs> yeah. than just cutting off sugar at the you know right there at 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 a, a cold turkey standpoint. To be honest, like I still eat sugar because I I love chocolate cake. I mean, I just love chocolate cake. But now I know how to do it in a way that doesn't continue that cycle of addiction. It's really key because when you eat something, you can eat it in two, one of two ways. Number one way is you eat it on an empty stomach, maybe first thing in the morning, maybe between me. Then it creates a big glucose spike. Then a crash you have another craving, you feel addicted again, you want more sugar. The other way to eat something sweet is at the end of a meal. At the end of a meal that started with a plate of vegetables and the proteins and the fats. And if you eat it at the end of the meal, you're still going to have the pleasure, but you're not going to create that glucose roller coaster, that cycle in your body and in your brain that's going to keep you addicted. So, you know, I used to be addicted to sugar like properly. And now if I want to eat something that contains sugar, it's out of real pleasure and enjoyment, not out of a willpower issue of feeling like I'm compelled or controlled by this craving. It's a really different story. I have a question. This is something I've, I've just observed and, and something that I've read in research as well. And, and it makes a lot of sense to me, but that we are more insulin resistant in the evening. And I think it has a lot to do with our circadian rhythms, our biology, where things were just winding down. We don't need, our bodies are like, you don't need energy right now. You're going to bed. And so what I have learned, if I'm going to have a dessert, I usually have, I follow the order at lunch, right? I have the big, Smart. big salad. I have the protein. Then I'll have like a couple pieces of chocolate, like I love huge gem or huge chocolate because it's it's vegan, paleo. It's it doesn't have any emulsifiers and preservatives. It's like super, super clean. I mean, it's still got girl, I got sugar in it. Don't get it twisted. But like it's clean ingredients outside of the sugar. And I notice what I've noticed is if I have that the same, let's say that's the same lunch and same dinner, same exact, but one I have it at noon, one I have at 6 PM and I have that, they follow the same order, everything. And I have those two pieces of chocolate after lunch versus after dinner. I, I have no spike at all after lunch, but I will head into the spike danger zone after dinner. Because for me, at least in, in what I've noticed is that I just am a little bit more insulin resistant later in the evening. So I've moved dinner a little bit earlier so that I don't see as big of a, cause I try to keep myself under like after eating under 110. That's always my goal is like, how can I stay within the 70 milligram per deciliter to 110 milligram per deciliter? Like I never want to leave that zone. And so, you know, when I have the chocolate after dinner, girl, I will leave the zone. But if I have it after lunch, I won't leave the zone. I'll stay within the 110. And so I don't know if you've seen anything around that as well, because I have been, you know, a lot of my women who are already, I know that they're heading it, they have some level of insulin resistance. Like my recommendation is if you're going to have the dessert, one, set yourself up for breakfast, like savory breakfast, do not start the blood sugar roller coaster in the morning. But if you're going to have a little bit of dessert, have it after your healthy lunch versus your healthy dinner. So I don't know if you had any thoughts around that as well, or if you've seen anything like that yourself. 
You know, there are so many things mm -hmm. that impact your glucose spikes. So one is time of day for sure. One is how tired you are, how yeah. hydrated you are, how recently you used your muscles, what phase of your menstrual cycle you're in. Oh yeah, There are a lot of things going on. Um, how much light is in the room. I mean, it's like, you can get into a lot of details. It can get details. nuanced, yeah. You know, what I want to remind people of is like, yes, this is really cool. And if you can optimize it, and for you, it's the same, you know, having dessert after lunch is the same, then go for it for lunch makes more sense because also you're still active during the day. So your body will be able to use up that glucose. Personally, Marisa, like I need dessert after dinner. I, okay. I just, that's when it makes me feel good. And I'm like, oh my God, I need to eat some chocolate. So in that case, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to have it after dinner, but also it's okay. Cause I just had a meal with fiber first and maybe I'm going to have some vinegar. Maybe, you know, as I'm watching a movie, I'm going to like do some squats or something instead of I was going to say, maybe you're going to eat cake and walk at the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there are lots of, lots of ways you can tweak this, but I would say, however, that like, if you're just starting out, the impact of, for example, time of day of lunch versus dinner is going to be smaller than the impact of a big change, like savory breakfast or having vegetables at the beginning of a meal. You have almost like these, it's a layer cake of mm -hmm. sort of improvements you can make. You know, the, the bottom of the cake, the important stuff is like the hacks, like do those and you're going to see 80% of the difference. And then if you have a CGM and you notice these differences, you can then play, you know, and you can figure out things that work for you and understand how your body differs, how your biology is individual and personal and what works specifically well for your glucose levels. But I think that is sort of the 20%, the top layer, 20% of the cake. It has a smaller impact than getting that big chunk of just like the hacks. And, mm. But that's really cool. I actually noticed the same. So when I first started out wearing glucose monitor about three years ago, so I looked through all of the studies and I tried to replicate everything. And so one of the studies I found was that one. And so I would have a piece of chocolate at 7 a.m. and then at 1 p.m. And I was like, oh my God, it's always smaller at 7 a.m. But the thing is, you can go a bit far and be like, okay, that means I'm going to have sugar for breakfast again. And it's just, it gets a bit tricky and complicated. It does get a bit to tricky. I totally yeah. agree. And I think one of the biggest hacks, and I was so grateful that it was in your book too, and this is, I, I always tell people, I feel like this is the most underrated hack in general, not only for our emotional well-being, for um, our circadian rhythms, but also for flattening the glucose curve is walking, walking after yes. a meal, especially yes. I'm like, if there's anything you do besides ordering your food or making sure that you are cloaking your carbs with protein and fats, it is walk after dinner, walk after uh -huh. a meal. And so that has been hands down. I mean, my husband and I both wear CGMs, you know, cause yeah. obviously he wears one too. Um, and we, we love to watch just the impact of a walk after, after we have dinner and one, we love it. We love walking. We love, we have a, a, a one and a half year old, um, baby toddler who by the way, eats savory breakfast. He eats breakfast over today. What he had for breakfast was um, roasted zucchini, mahi-mahi um, from yesterday, and a little bit of avocado. And then after he had that, he had he had a couple of um, cut-up strawberries. So that was breakfast oh my God, for I, Kingston. I adore you. Congratulations. That's <laughs> yeah. really cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, the walking. So that's another easy hack. You know, it, It's using your muscles for 10 minutes after your meals. And the reason it works is because your muscles, as they contract, they need energy. And their favorite place to get energy is from the glucose in your bloodstream. So as you walk, or by the way, you can do any kind of exercise. It doesn't right. have to be walking. It can be dancing. It can be like playing with your kid. It can be walking your dog. It can be folding your laundry, whatever. It can be jump your squats. Muscle. <laughs> if, if and it can be a super that. intense 25 minute hit interval training like listening to metal like whatever <laughs> whatever but just to walk also works fine obviously the more exercise you do the more it's going to have an impact but for me I found that just these 10 minutes really make a difference because your muscles absorb the glucose as your levels are starting to spike and so as a result the curve is flat and so those symptoms that I thought were normal like being super tired every time after I ate or having those cravings or being hungry 90 minutes after eating, those go away. And you have all these different tools in your tool belt. So if you start having the veggie starters and then you do the movement after eating, I mean, seriously, it's a whole new experience of life.
It is a, oh my gosh, it is, it, it completely changes everything. And what are some of the, I mean, you said the, the three main symptoms, whether you wear a CGM or not, is going to be you feeling super hungry. You're just hungry yeah. cravings and mm. that depletion, that, that tiredness that you may be feeling like you maybe wake up tired or you're definitely going to hit a wall in the afternoon. Probably after yes. it's that lunch crash, right? Those are probably the three symptoms that are the first to go away as well. Would you, would you agree? Completely, because those symptoms are an immediate reaction to the spikes. So these are symptoms that develop in an instant as a spike happens or a crash happens. So these are not these like sort of long-term buildups, like something like type 2 diabetes or polycystic ovarian syndrome would be. Those take years to build up. Those symptoms that are essentially mental symptoms, they can come and go in a second. Hmm. Like when we think about... You know, so often I, I ask my my audience or my ladies, you know, about dis- disruptive symptoms, mm. the things that are disrupting your life. And that is often they don't feel they can be as productive because they're tired or their brain yeah. is offline. They're feeling super moody. That's having an impact on their relationships. And when you begin to look at that, that that so often can correlate with a blood sugar roller coaster, even if it's worth trying at the very least. But then you think about like one of the things that I think really spoke to me in your book was that it's the the millions of blood sugar roller coaster spikes that you're experiencing that ultimately is leading to that metabolic dysfunction that is ultimately Absolutely. leading to the hyperinsulinemia that is ultimately potentially leading to the the bigger conditions like the PCOS like the, you know, like obesity, gosh, even dementia, right? Diabetes. Again, it takes a very long time to get there, but every single time that you have a big blood sugar spike, your body has to go into SOS mode. Your body treats it like it's a major issue. It is an inflammatory response. Absolutely. Yeah, you said it. Well, (laughs) I was like, I was just like, (laughs) like, yes, yes. And I think that was, there was so much, like to me, there was so much gravity of that, of like, this is adding up over time, you know, and although the short-term gains that you can experience are phenomenal, it's the long-term concerns that I think we, that are all need to be on our radar is like, this is just adding up over time. Yeah. And also what's really important to understand is that the symptoms that you're feeling, of course, we're talking about cravings and, and hunger and sleepiness, but there's also, you know, life-threatening symptoms or even conditions you may develop, you actually have power to put them into remission, to reduce the symptoms. Like there are things you can do and they're often your body's reaction to years of glucose spikes. But if you learn to reduce those spikes, like slowly your body will come back into balance and those symptoms will dissipate. You know, you have power. It's a dance. It's not like, oh, you have PCOS and now this is just your life. Like actually, if you learn, and very often, you know, the, the root cause of polycystic ovarian syndrome, not always, but most times is too much insulin in the yes. body, which is due mm-hmm. to too many glucose spikes. Mm-hmm. And so actually when you flatten your glucose curves and you avoid the spikes, the insulin comes down, the, the testosterone comes down, the PCOS symptoms go away. Like you have power to turn back the clock and to reverse these issues. And that's why it's so freaking important for people to know this science because it's life-changing. It doesn't cost a thing. Like it's just the cost of food. It's not like this expensive drug you have to take. And it's almost an issue of public health. People need to know this because we're all being affected by this glucose roller coaster. And most of us have no clue it's happening and are not being taught how to get it off it, but it's simple. Like we have to be, everybody has to know, Marisa, everybody has to know. Oh, I 100% agree. Yeah, I know you're like, yes. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I mean, yeah, 100%. And I think about, you know, the even, you know, we see again, 90% metabolic dysfunction, the numbers for insulin resistance are high, and we know it's having a profound impact on our ability to function, and then it's leading to other chronic conditions. And so let's, I want to just give an example. Let's say there is somebody, you know, I'm, you know, in my community who is in her late forties, she's got insulin resistance. And I I know that the first step is to start implementing these hacks in your research, Jesse, honey, as well. Is there anything, because I know that once you have hyperinsulinemia, it's a little bit of a steeper curve, right? Prevention's everything. 
if we can prevent the hyperinsulinemia from happening, yes, yes, yes. But let's say we we do have hyperinsulinemia and that even like sometimes even a savory breakfast may rise up that glucose curve. Are there other recommendations that you would implement to help get that under control? If we're already kind of at a place where we got to take some stronger measures, or do you find that these hacks, no matter what, are going to really help move the needle? So listen, from what I've seen and the testimonials that I've heard, and you know, I don't have clients, I'm not a doctor, I don't have patients, so I don't mm-hmm. actually have the opportunity to, to work with people in that respect. Yeah. So I think maybe you would actually know better than I would. But so what I know is that in studies, they show that even people who have full-blown type 2 diabetes, like using some of these principles. So I think there's no situation in which this is not going to be helpful. Like if you're condition, like there's probably other things you should do. Talk to your doctor. Yeah, like absolutely. see if you also have to come them with medication. Maybe you need to start fasting. Maybe you have to cut carbs even more, maybe exercise. Like I don't actually know. What do you think? Because you know. <laughs> Um, well, I think that's a, it's a multitude of things. You're absolutely right. I do believe that intermittent fasting is going to play a big role here. I think maybe even an intermittent fasting interval of 20 to 24 hours to really deplete the glycogen stores of your liver so that you move into fat burning mode, um, that we are really lessening that level of, of amount of insulin that's getting reduced. You know, I'd probably do a mega sugar cutout. Like I would just yeah. be like, we've got to remove it for a little while so that we give your body the opportunity to re- set. Um, and then I would be implementing the vinegar. I would be considering potentially some supplementation, things like chromium and berberine, just to help move things along to help create more of that insulin sensitivity. And then weightlifting. I would really yeah. be trying to build muscle that muscle mass. Absolutely. So that, yeah, those would be the recommendations I would Absolutely. make. Absolutely. And again, like it's, you know, it's a spectrum depending on where your body's at, where your health is at, what your goals are, you're going to be using the hacks more or less, and maybe the hacks plus other stuff. But we have to listen to all the different advice. We have to think about this as a holistic thing. You know, of course, sleep is important. Muscle mass is super important. Like getting adequate protein is super important. This is not technically in my glucose hacks, but you take these glucose hacks as like, this is for my glucose levels. And then also take, okay, exercise routine. Maybe you need to go to therapy. Maybe you need to like revisit your relationships. Like who knows? Supplements, like stress. There's so many different facets. If you're lost and you don't know where to begin, get levels balanced is like the biggest bang for your buck. I know in the you read the book, but I have this image that your body is like a plane and your job is to keep your plane in a cruising altitude, AKA keep yourself healthy, but you have no clue how the plane works. Like we don't really know how our bodies work. Mm -hmm. And what I suggest is that understanding your glucose levels and just learning about the glucose hacks is the lever in the cockpits with the biggest bang for its buck. Essentially, if you know how to work this lever, your plane will be fine. So start there if you're lost. And then, you know, you can go all the steps further. But really my work is about getting people from this place of, not having any knowledge and feeling really lost to a place where they're ready to go even further and learn even more. It's the, it's the base of the layer cake. I love it. I love it. And I want you to just debunk one, one myth for me, because it's the myth that is so prevalent. Oh my gosh. I feel like it is just nutritionists, doctors. I cannot tell you how many women walk out of a doctor's office and are just told to cut calories and move more. Cut, mm. cut, just cut calories. And it just is heartbreaking to me because this calorie deficient myth, girl, you, you did such a gorgeous job of debunking it in the book. Can you talk to me about why it's not about calorie deficiency? It's, it's more about what you're eating <laughs> and, and your hormones. You know, yeah. you can cut as many calories as you want. Insulin still isn't going to necessarily drop. You know what I'm saying? Like we need to get that hormone under control more yeah. than anything else. So the calorie thing is super interesting. I, I did some research to figure out how are calories even measured in the first place? So the way they used to measure calories was that you would put the food that you're trying to measure the calories of in a box and you would put this in a big box of water and you would burn the food and then measure by how many degrees the water around it would rise in temperature. 
And that would be the indication of how many calories were in the food. And so as a result, when we say, you know, this donut and this Greek yogurt have the same number of calories, what we're saying is these two foods will heat up water by the same number of degrees. That is all we are saying. However, what we're not talking about is the molecules in these foods. So 100 calories of Greek yogurt, that's mostly fat and protein, will not rise your glucose levels. 100 calories of donuts will create a massive glucose spike. And that massive glucose spike will inflame you, will aid you, will then release insulin in your body, will lead to cravings, will lead to hunger, will lead to fatigue, will lead to long-term development of symptoms. The 100 calories of the Greek yogurt, same number of calories, However, you know, the food industry really wants us to focus on calories because they can just hide behind calories and say, guys, we're making low calorie products. So we're helping you be healthy, but all their products are just sugars and starches, which keep you addicted and make you sick. So it's important to learn about the molecules in your food, to learn about the fiber first and the proteins and fats and the sugars and starches, because that's going to help you heal. Like basing your food decisions on the number of calories will, will not help you figure out how to feel good. You can keep the calories constant, but if you change how you're eating, what you're eating, those level steady, you can heal yourself instead of nothing happening. That's so true. That's so true. I love it. Jesse, honey, you've been amazing. Girl, I know that the, the 10 hacks that are in the book are game-changing. I know that we probably went over five or so of them, but there are more to be had. And then you back it up with all incredible research. Um, where can we get the book? I, I know it's available everywhere. <laughs> Everywhere. So the name of the book is Glucose Revolution because it is a freaking revolution and it's time. So Glucose Revolution, get it anywhere that you buy books, go to your bookstore, you know, get it there, help bookstores live. If you don't have access to a bookstore, you can get it on the internets like Amazon, etc. But yeah, get your hands on this. It's full of super easy tips that are really transformative. And I've run this, I want to thank you, Marisa, for sharing the message and for allowing me to, to share what I learned with your community. So thank you so so much for having me. Thank you so much. And, and community, go and find her, Glucose Goddess, on Instagram. I mean, if you want the graphs, you want to see what it looks like to flatten a glucose curve, you want to see the comparison of foods. Like she she does all of it. It just, there's like to see it on, and I'm so grateful that, that you really gave us visuals. To see it as a visual just really locks it in place. Even if you would never decide to get a CGM, the Glucose Goddess does a beautiful job of literally showing you what is going on when you eat certain foods. So that is a powerful resource to go and check out. Jesse, honey, thank you so much. Girl, thank you so much for being authentically you. Thank you so much for digging into the research. Thank you so much for helping to change many of our lives. Thank you. <laughs> Big love. So what hack that Jesse shared today resonated most with you? And which one are you down to try this week? Was it eating your foods in specific order from fiber, protein, and fat, and then to carbs? Or was it walking after your biggest meals like lunch and dinner? Or maybe it was making a savory breakfast. In Jessie's book, The Glucose Revolution, she shares 10 really incredible and simple hacks to help you flatten your blood sugar curve to have you feel amazing again. So I highly recommend this book is a game changer. Go and grab your copy in the show notes because if you can just implement a couple of these hacks, it can change not only how you feel, but the longevity of your lifespan for many years to come. As always, thank you so much for listening to the Essentially You podcast. This show is about providing tools to rock your hormones and feel amazing in your body. This episode was no different. If there's someone in your life that needs to hear this, if you know they're on a blood sugar roller coaster and they have no idea, like so many of us, take a moment, screenshot this episode and share it with them or even share it on social, right? And if you do share it on social, hashtag hormone CEO, because that's exactly what you are. Until the next episode, have an amazing day.